what affects uh, the fetus mental health. Uh, this can be affected by the genetic factors. So if maybe as a mother, you already have your own mental health uh, issues, you're having mental health conditions, this can be now your child, because of the, the, the genetics now, your child might end, end up having a similar condition and also prolonged stress. The stress can be in a form of uh, a parent, a caregiver who's in a, uh, a caregiver who's in a abusive relationship, being it finances, being it emotional, anything that will cause prolonged stress is going to affect this baby, this unborn baby, if the mother is pregnant and going through all this. And then, okay, so now I'm going to be talking about uh, the parenting styles. So there's four major uh, parenting styles. There's an authoritarian uh, parenting styles. There's a dismissive uh, parenting style. There's neglectful parenting style and also authoritative parenting style. So parents who have authoritarian uh, uh, parenting style. They're actually very controlling. Uh, they're very punitive. Uh, they don't really listen to their child or take any of their their needs into consideration, basically. So it's, it's either my, my way or the highway, basically. So this kind of kids, they tend to struggle socially because most of the time, they're just confined in this one environment that the mother can control. You can't leave the house. You can't do this. You can't do that. So they, they, they struggle socially because they don't really know any of the social norms. And when now they have the opportunity to now go and be in the outside world, they find it very difficult because this was never allowed when they were growing up. And then this kind of kids as well, they're more likely to become authoritarian parents themselves. Like I've said, you've learned this as a child, chances are it's going to continue with you into your childhood, I mean, into your childhood, uh, uh, into your adulthood, and also into your relationship, unless if something is done, unless if maybe somehow some of the things have been rectified in the form of maybe therapy or in the form of maybe if you need medication, maybe in the form of medication as well. Uh, and then this type of uh, parenting style is associated with insecure attachment. So kids who are born from mothers who are authoritarian, they tend to have an insecure attachment with their primary caregivers. And neglectful parents, these are the type of parents that really do not care. There is a limited parent role. So basically the child is just parenting themselves. They're allowed to do as they please. They are no, uh, they don't set any house rules. So basically there are no boundaries, there are no rules, rules in the house. You can just do as you please. Uh, this is also associated with insecure attachment. And this kind of kids as well, they tend to resist rules outside of the house. So if now uh, this child is now at school or in at work where you're supposed to be conforming to some sort of rules that govern the, that institution they actually tend to like not be able to conform to those rules because it was never emphasized in the house uh, and then permissive parents they don't set um, many rules for children so there is some rules but not really as well. So they prioritize being the child's friend than a parent. So it's like the you, 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 when you look at the, the relationship, sometimes you tend to ask who's the parent and who's the child. And then 
this kind of children, they tend, they tend to be more entitled. And then also this is also associated with insecure attachment. And in terms of the authoritative uh, parent, this is the parents that are more flexible, the parents who really understand the emotional needs of their children, they're able to set clear and concise uh, boundaries, they're able to encourage their children's independence, but within limits. You know that I'm independent, it's my responsibility, me and my mother, we agreed that I can go to this party, but come back at this time. So you give them their independent, but within limits. And then their parents are more supportive uh, towards um, the children. And then this is also associated with secure attachment. So out of the four uh, parenting styles, this is the one that is actually associated with secure attachment. And I think this is the one that most of us as parents are actually striving uh, for. Uh, insecure attachment and mental health conditions. So now I want to discuss how does this now insecure attachment, now these kids that are not uh, properly attached to their caregivers, how does this now affect their mental health? So insecure attachment increases your risk of mental health condition conditions. Some of those uh, mental health uh, conditions can include uh, uh, things like anxiety, can include depression, uh, insecure attachment can also increase your risk of having behavioral, uh, behavioral disorder in children, eating disorder, and also substance use disorder. The list is actually endless. I just um, chose to include this few because um, okay, we don't really see a lot of eating disorders, but anxiety, depression, behavioral problems, and substance use disorder. These are some of the things that I see almost on a daily basis in, the, in, in some of the clinics that I run. Um, so I'm also going to touch on depression in children and uh, adolescents. And now that we've um, discussed uh, attachment and then we've related how this attachment now can cause uh, some of the mental health conditions that uh, some of these kids present with. Um, now I'm going to discuss depression as one of those uh, mental health conditions that some of the children and the adolescents normally present with. So depression is normally, it's common in children. It can be mild or severe, and then it can also lead to suicide. The other time when Pastor Mania uh, was talking about um, parenting, he also touched on the teen suicide the statistics of teen suicide in South Africa. So in terms of the statistics, uh, one in 10 teenage deaths in South Africa every year are actually the result of suicide. So you, you can see that uh, there is a lot of kids that actually die, a lot of children that actually die from suicide. So that means that we as parents, we need to be aware and we need to be able to see or identify when our children are not okay, and then how do we best help them. Up to 20% of high school learners have tried to take their own lives. Prevention of the teen suicide starts with a better understanding of the symptoms of depression. So basically you as a parent understanding some of the symptoms of depression. So at least that can assist in you seeing that my child is actually not okay and we actually need to go and seek 
medical help or psychiatric uh, intervention. Um, this is uh, according to SASOP, which is the South African Society of uh, Psychiatrists. Uh, most suicidal people are depressed. Does not necessarily mean that every person who commits suicide is depressed, but most of the suicidal people are actually depressed. According to the World Health Organization, depression is globally the third highest disease burden amongst adolescents. And then it's also the second leading cause of death in the uh, 15 to 29 year old uh, children, basically, and, and young adults. Causes of depression in children, it can be due, so it's the uh, cause of depression either in children or in, in adults can actually be multifactorial. So there's a lot of factors that are, it's not just caused by one thing, there's a lot of factors at play. Um, your own attachment with your primary caregivers, uh, the environmental factors, the genetic factors as well, they all come to play and then can cause this child to now have depression. Some of the things that can increase the risk of these children having um, depression, it's prolonged stress, it's a family history of depression, like I've said, genetics. It's childhood trauma. Uh, some of this trauma can be in the form of abuse, the child being abused physically, emotionally. We see a lot of uh, sexual abuse as well in, in, the, in my clinic. Uh, it can be violence, either them being exposed to violence, maybe just gender-based violence that is happening between their parents or them actually being subjected to some of the violence that is happening in the house uh, can be due to absent parents that I've already mentioned. Uh, if the parent, absent does not necessarily mean that they're physically not there. Sometimes they are there, but they're actually just not, uh, they're unavailable. Uh, and also kids with attachment issues, uh, kids in families that they've went through divorce or they've went through a, a loss of a loved one. And just touching on, on divorce and loss of a loved one, it doesn't mean that if somebody has gone through divorce, automatically the child is going to have a depression. But what it means is that it increases their risk of having a depression. So if you are in that situation, you are going through divorce as a family, you have to look at your children. Are they coping with what is happening? And then if you feel like they're not coping, rather you take them to see a psychologist who can actually sit with the child and try and understand what it means for them now to lose this one parent who's no no longer no going to be staying with them, try and understand like wh what do they make out of the, everything that is happening in their life at that time, uh, to try and help them to make sense of whatever is happening at that time in their life. And also the same applies with the loss of loved one. Uh, does not necessarily mean that you lose someone, then you're going to have depression. It also, uh, that's why sometimes you might find that People go through the same thing, like it can be me and you, and then we, I lose a lo loved one, you lose a loved one, but I end up with depression and you don't end up with depression because maybe I have a good support system around me. Um, I have uh, uh, people that are supporting me. Maybe I have a church. I have a community. You don't take all that kind of support for granted because you actually gain a lot from being around other people. So if I have that kind of support and you don't have, you might now end up having depression and I don't end up with depression even if we're going through the same thing. So your environment plays a huge role and also the genetics. You might have the genetics, the family history of depression and I might not have it. So we might go through the same thing but still respond differently to whatever is happening in our lives at that point. Uh, 
And causes of depression, as, oh, sorry, uh, I will already mentioned this. Sorry, this is causes of depression. Uh, symptoms of depression in pre-puberty or prior to adolescence. Most of this, the kids, especially at a young age, between maybe around the, between the age of six, uh, up to 10 years, maybe they don't really present with what the others present with. They, 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 they tend to present with a lot of um, irritability. They throw in tantrums. They have behavioral problems. They're complaining. They have a lot of physical complaints, uh, can be headaches, stomach aches, not wanting to go to school. There might be changes in, uh, from their usual, their usual self, like maybe no longer playing with other children. They're isolating themselves. They're refusing to go to school. So if you notice any change in your child that you're actually worried about, maybe like you need to see someone. And then also, like I've mentioned, the way they present with the depression, sometimes it's not exactly the way the adults will present with, the, with their depression. And depression in children and adolescents, uh, normally it presents with persistent sadness. It presents with loss of interest in previously enjoyed leisure activities. If previously they enjoyed going to uh, soccer, they enjoyed dancing, they enjoyed whatever type of sport, and then all of a sudden now they don't show any interest in any of those things. You should be worried what's happening. They no longer want to hang out with their friends. They are isolated. They, are avo they avoid going to school. There is a drop or a decline in their academic performance, and they start having behavioral problems, either bullying other kids, running away from home, and all that. And that's why sometimes when this kind of kids are brought to our clinic sometimes the complaint is that that he's bullying other kids and no any other thing so you have to try and tease out uh, what is actually happening why is he bullying? sometimes the, the the child is the one who's bullying others but they're actually going through a lot themselves and they actually need help and also in teenage uh, wood and they start now experimenting with alcohol and other substances and then also presenting with multiple uh, physical complaints and uh, sleeping too much, especially uh, during the day as well. So I just uh, wanted to close it off. Sorry. I just wanted to maybe just uh, talk about some of the uh, the patients that I see in in, in, in my clinics. I'm trying to wrap up. I know that the time is not on our side. <laughs> so I just want to talk about some of the uh, cases that I see uh, in some of the clinics uh, that I run. So uh, the other day I, I had a, this was actually not, not a child, it was an adult, but I'm like just going to give you this, this example because uh, for me, everything started when this person was a child and then it continued because uh, the child never really seek any any psychiatric help, never went to see any psychologist. This continued until uh, their child, their adulthood, I mean. So this is one of the, uh, um, uh, sometimes the clients that will come and then they, she presented with a history that she's actually um, late 30s coming with a history that uh, she was actually raped actually from the age of, I think, eight years or seven years, and then um, raped by the, by the uncle. Most of the time, the perpetrators are the people that are familiar and the people that are known uh, to, to, to the client, actually, or to the victim. So was much, had, uh, like, raped for over four years by this uncle. She ended up even being pregnant um, with this uncle's child. 
um, she had about uh, four three miscarriages and then four delivered. She had a baby and three miscarriages prior to that uh, from this uh, rape, uh, basically. And she was telling me that um, when she delivered the child, the grandmother told her that, no, I don't have money uh, to feed any other mouth. Um, after, like, th- there's a lot of you in the house, so I don't have money. We're going to leave the child at the clinic. So they literally just left the, th- the child at the clinic and then turned and went home. And um, the first pregnancy that she had was at the age of 14. The doctors tried to get involved when she came because she had a miscarriage. They tried getting involved. They involved social workers, psychologists, and everyone. And then the case was actually opened. The case of rape was actually happened. But according to her, this did not really nobody really followed through with this case so nothing really happened so this now she moved from the from the house then went to stay she came this side this she i think she's originally from yeah limpopo and then she came to she's originally from one of the provinces and then she came to Gauteng. and then now when she was here in Gauteng, now the father the biological father now also started uh, sexually uh, assaulting her, basically raping her as well. So in total, she had about 10 pregnancies in the past, but she doesn't have a child. She had multiple uh, miscarriages in in between, many abortions in between. And now when she came to me, she was actually depressed. But the reason, as much as this is an adult, I'm trying to show you that the type of environment that this child grew up in. And the other thing was that uh, the mother, somehow she believed that the mother actually knew that this was happening in the house because even currently when I was seeing her, the abuse was still happening and the mother was in the house. And so she believed that the mother knew. So you can understand uh, the, being in that kind of a situation. And then we like saw her and we diagnosed her with depression. Obviously, we started medication and then we referred to psychologists and we still continue. So these are some of the cases that are, we are seeing a lot in our, in our clinics and they all start, most of them, I'm not saying everybody that has mental health conditions, uh, there's anything wrong with their upbringing. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying there's a lot of factors that can contribute to that. And in terms of anxiety in children, uh, uh, patients uh, and anxious children are at risk of developing other mental health disorders. There's different types of anxiety, but the one, the two that I just want to touch on briefly is generalized anxiety disorder and separation anxiety. With the generalized anxiety, they excessively just worry about, they can worry about their health, the health of their caregivers. They can have sleepless nights, they can become very irritable, presenting with multiple physical symptoms, and they, in small children, they can present with things like nail biting, bed wetting, heavy nightmares as well. And then in terms of the separation anxiety disorder, they can have nightmares about separation, they can refuse to be separated from their caregivers in a form of refusing to go to school or visiting their friends. I had one of the clients whose child was refusing to go to school to an extent that the child will cry the whole day that they will call her to come and fetch the child because the child will cry and even wet herself there and there because she is so scared to be separated from the caregiver. And all of these things, when you take history, we take a a, a long history in our clinic. We 
we want to know about your pregnancy, we want to know about your delivery, we want to know about the how the child was raised until the time that we see the child, because that actually helps us to make a diagnosis of what's really going on with your child. And they excessively worry about what will happen to them or their caregiver when they're separated. When I'm at school, what's happening to my mom? And then where she, wherever she is, uh, is she safe? Is she okay? And then they also present with physical symptoms as well. Uh, in terms of the behavioral problems that we see in children, uh, these are some of the children who constantly get involved into fights. They refuse to take any instruction from any authority figure. They refuse to go to school. Or if they are at school, then they will bank classes. They bully others. They are cruel to animals. Uh, sometimes you get, uh, like, the other day I, I, I had a, a patient who actually will even was strangling her puppy until the puppy died. That's how sometimes, like that, how hectic um, these things get if they're not really, if there's no intervention, basically. And they, they tend to lie a lot, habitual lying. They steal things and they also uh, have self-harming behavior. Sometimes they will cut their wrist um, uh, because they're not okay and they don't know how to communicate that they are actually not okay. Uh, one of the cases that I saw recently as well was of a patient as well, lost a, child, a mother from a young age, now being uh, cared by multiple caregivers, like I've mentioned, being moved from uncle to aunt to somebody else. So no proper secure attachment that was formed with uh, one particular primary caregiver. So this child now, that stays with the aunt. The aunt has been called at school multiple times, behavioral problems, fighting with other children. One day she stepped one of the kids at school with a Caesar. So like these are the type of children that will, will come through to us and then we see them. But if you take in the history, it will go back to the trauma. Like the case that I'm talking about now is somebody who really lost the mother. So there was no attachment with the primary caregiver and no attachment with the other caregivers that were there. So you can see that attachment plays a huge role, a huge role in uh, some of those mental health uh, conditions. So in terms of um, uh, substance, no substance, sorry, <laughs> I'm looking at the screen and at my notes. In terms of uh, also substance, yes, I just want to touch on the substance use disorder. I don't have it on my slide here, but uh, most of the time when people come with uh, substance use disorder, we tend to be very judgmental. Uh, why are you using substances? But we, we fail to understand that some of the people that are actually uh, addicted to these substances, they're actually self-medicating because there's still a lot of stigma around mental health. So a lot of people, like most of the time, the, the people that come to us, we are their last option, to be honest. They start um, at their tra traditional healers. They start a church. They start, they start everywhere. And then when now, after maybe seeing the traditional healer, and then they see that the child, okay, got better, but then the symptom maybe re-emerges again. That's when they'll come in and see us. So a lot of people will tend to anything else before they come to see us. So even with the substance use, some of the people, when you sit with them and you ask them about their history of substance abuse, the issues are with their poor attachment with the environment that they're in, they're struggling, they're frustrated, some they're having anxiety, they're having depression, but they're not 
going to see a psychiatrist. They're not going to see a psychologist. So they self-medicate. So they'll tell you when I'm using alcohol excessively, then I just sleep and I forget about my problems. But unfortunately, when you wake up, your problems are still going to be there. When I'm using this cannabis, I smoke. When I am high, I don't, I, I don't. So they self-medicate instead of, so they use destructive ways uh, to deal with their pain instead of actually coming and ask, asking for help. So in terms of how you can improve uh, this mother-to-child relationship, uh, you can first start by uh, getting help for your own childhood trauma. So being honest with yourself and seeing things for what they are, realizing that you've went through as well as a child, if maybe there have been issues in your own childhood, you've went through some traumatic events in your childhood, uh, abuse, uh, any form of trauma that could have happened as a child. So seek help so that because the thing is, you will never be able to help or help your child if you also not okay. So you first need to make sure that you are okay yourself before you'll be able to extend yourself and be there for other people. And also go, go for therapy. If you're not okay, if you're having depression or anxiety, see a psychologist. Um, and most of the time, the psychologists, when they will have therapy with you, and then maybe if later they realize that even after a, a lot of sessions you, you're still not coping then they can refer you to us uh, if you need uh, medication um, try avoid stress if possible during pregnancy I know sometimes it's actually not possible but just try your best self-care taking care of yourself asking for help when you need help and also get help for your substance abuse if you have any substance abuse get help uh, go to rehab get a professional to assist you with this don't try and do it yourself because there's really a lot of things that are entrenched with all this problem, you using substances and all that. Sometimes you won't be able to deal with it yourself. You actually need help. And remove children from toxic environment. This is also a topic on its own, especially about gender-based violence. So I'm not going to dwell on this, but if you can remove the children, because the kind of environment that they are raised in actually have a huge impact on their mental health. Uh, Go for family therapy if if it's that is going to help you. Uh, show interest in what your child do, like spend time with your kids. I know that we're living in a very uh, busy world where we are all busy, we are studying, we are working. So it's actually very difficult and it's actually very easy to get lost in everything that we're doing. And then sometimes we tend to forget the most important things. Um, know what your children are up to. Uh, give every child undivided attention. Uh, th 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 this is just some of the things that are, uh, I'm, I'm trying to show that this can assist you in trying and building a better relationship with your child. But obviously this is not everything. So if you're feeling that you're not okay, it's better to seek help. Uh, and then my next slide shows some of the uh, emergency helplines that you can actually call. Uh, you can even ask if you are on this uh, webinar if maybe after this you feel like maybe you want to chat further you can also contact me you can speak to Bomuruti and then they can keep you um uh give you my contact or uh, and then yeah we'll take it from there uh so yeah, some of the emergency helplines from Department of Social Development about substance abuse, depression and anxiety helpline, SADC about any mental health issues, suicide crisis line, or any health uh, problems that you have, you can actually call any of these lines and then you'll be assisted. Uh, 
Thank you. Thank you so much. Yo. Yeah. yeah no way. Hey. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, yeah. 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 Today we, we we have really learned a lot. Mm. Um. And um. I'm just overwhelmed, um, but I also received a lot of answers to to many things because sometimes we we just see the effects, but you don't understand the root cause. So thank you so much for for sharing with us and um, um, yeah, um, I, I think that the, the question probably the first one would be the the presentation. Um, because I, I think many people would probably would want to refer to some of the things that you've mentioned in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure if you. It's possible for you to to make it available. I didn't get that, and the power. Um, the the presentation. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't have any issues. I, I've I've emailed it, I've emailed it to Muruti uh, Paro. So yeah, if anyone wants access, they can have that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now we are ready for for questions and answers. Um. So if if you have a question, you you may raise your hand, and uh, we 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 will um deal with that. We'll recognize you. Yeah, I think before we do the questions and, and answers, I just want to appreciate uh, Dr. Mashishi for such an informative uh, session. Uh, it was a great um, uh, lesson and also a mirror to us as parents. And uh, I think we we have learned a lot from this session and we, we, we're looking forward to implementing some of the things that we, we have learned as parents. And uh, I hope and I believe that this session will help many people as it, as the, the, it will be um, uh, posted on YouTube. Uh, it's, very, it's very informative and, and a great lesson indeed. So thank you so much for doing it your best uh, to help families. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, ma'am. Y- yes, um, I'm not seeing any hand. Um, if if you would like to ask a question, please um, raise your hand so we can recognize you. Mukululi. Um, He's muted. Oh, sorry, Mukululi. Uh, yeah, now you you make why. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Doc, for a very interesting uh, and and actually very important uh, presentation. It actually uh, talked to <clears throat> a recurring, or, or should I say, the, the continuous. Um, problems that are facing the African uh, families. Um, I think it it really has answered or given at least light to a number of challenges that that we we are facing. Uh, You you see 
this uh, in everywhere you see the the behaviors of old people in the boardrooms at work and you 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 can based on the tools of analysis you gave us today you can be able to pick up that uh, the, the 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 differences you have in the boardroom are not necessarily about the issue you have but they are a personal issue that may come a long way to from from this person now, now, now we are equipped to pick up such things. But the question that I have is: is that um, uh, is there any way to change the negative attachment uh, on an old at an old age? Um, I'm asking, given the fact that you said uh, if it happened at a young age, uh, between the zero to five years, it becomes a blueprint uh, within. Uh, that person uh, so uh, when is old is there a way to effectively or maybe should i say permanently uh, change it or you can uh, simply find workarounds but you live with it forever because it's already printed uh, within that person the the second question that i that i have <clears throat> is I, 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 of course, I'm not a, a doctor, a doc, and I don't have scientific proof, but I'm a, a researcher and I read quite a lot. There is an indication that breastfeeding for children is not only giving nutritional value to children, but it has got some very important uh, attachment creation between a, ch- a child and a mother, like holding the texture. Um, <clears throat> oh, the, the, when the child is holding the, the, the breast of the mother, the, feeling the texture of the breast, and that that process, there's a lot of bonding that taking place during that uh, uh, process. Now, the question is, what is then the impact of the lactogene uh, uh, which uh, moves children away from 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 breastfeeding uh, which i think may eventually affect some of the things you've told us today uh, maybe the last one will be answered by the uh, by, by, by the uh, what's the difference between spirituality and emotions uh, because sometimes we think that we're spiritual but we are emotional but but that just uh, <laughs> uh, thank thank you so much thank you so much okay uh thank you so much um kululi for the questions so just a comment on what you said that sometimes when you are in the boardroom and you tend to see all this uh difficult uh, or, or different personality uh, playing in the in the boardroom most of, you're actually right when you say that most of the time has nothing to do with you some most of the time it's the, 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 the those other people or even like all of you in the boardroom you all come there with different personality disorders and sometimes you can see that okay this person really they really need to do a lot of work on themselves they really need help so uh, so that's why sometimes even when you're in a relationship with a partner, sometimes you can see that uh, my partner actually really needs help. And then how do I best assist him in making sure that they get the help that they need? And in terms of um, your question on how to change 
uh, adult attachment of somebody who's already an adult and then they had issues with attachment growing up. Uh, that is actually very difficult. Not impossible, but actually very difficult. And I think that's the reason why we are having this talk that for, because I know like, especially from, from our church, most of most people are actually young couples. Uh, those are still going to have kids. Those are, those are still having very young kids. So you can actually try now and implement some of these things now when you can actually make a great impact. So the, we should all strive to try and make sure that we do things right from the way to go. But if now you, you are having this, uh, you are hearing this talk and then you are that adult and now you are, you are older and then these issues are already there, your, your, your next chance of trying to remedy what's happening is to go for therapy. So seeing a, a clinical psychologist. So they're going to work with, um, with you in the room. They are going to assess uh, some of the things that are happening in your life now and then try and relate them to the way you are attached with your own uh, primary health care uh, givers. So it, it's going to take a lot of work from you. And then that, that is why I always say that you need to see a professional. So most of the people, they'll be in a relationship. They'll be very abusive uh, to their partners. They'll be like having some antisocial personality uh, traits. But the thing is, they will refuse to go and see someone and then try and deal with these uh, issues by themselves. So you actually need a professional who really knows what they're doing to try and help you navigate all these issues. Like I'm saying, not impossible, but very difficult to deal with when now it is at a later stage. And that's the reason why we're trying to avoid it as best as we can. And then your question on breastfeeding, you're actually right. And that's the reason why we, we as healthcare uh, practitioners are always uh, encouraging breastfeeding. You are right. Some of the things that I spoke about when I was talking about uh, pregnancy and during birth, um, some of the things that you can do to be attached to your child is touching your child, smiling to your child, the tone that you use uh, with your child, looking into their eyes. And it's easy when you are breastfeeding. It just comes naturally when you are breastfeeding to now hold this child in front of you, look at them, uh, cooing with them, it's actually very easy. So that's why we always encourage parents to breastfeed. But we also do understand that there are other parents that are really struggling. Some will be, uh, I don't have enough milk. There will be other issues, their own mental health issues, physical health, where they cannot um, they cannot uh, uh, breastfeed. So as much as that part of the attachment, it's slightly lost, you can still try and do the same thing when you are given the formula. But obviously, the, the, like the, 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 the first one that we encourage is the breastfeeding. But if you can't breastfeed, even when you are given formula, still try to engage with your child, the tone that you use, looking into their eyes, try and do that. But if you can breastfeed, that actually helps a lot. And that's why even immediately after delivery, the nurses will tell you that put the child closer to you, uh, give breast immediately, because that bond cannot really be replaced. Uh, the other one, I'll let Muruti to deal with that one. <laughs> no, uh, thanks a lot, uh, Dr. Mashishi and uh, Mr. Mkululi for the question. I think there's a difference between spirituality and emotions. Um, uh, as human beings, we are three in one, meaning that we are a spirit. We have a soul, which is connected to our emotions, 
and we live in the body, um, which is housing the real you. So we, we were made um, uh, by through the image of God, and He, uh, He, 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 because God is spirit, um, He breathed His spirit uh, on us. So yes, there's a difference between uh, your spirituality and emotions. Then we connect with God through our spirit, which um, which we, which is is something that will help us when we receive Jesus Christ to um, to have eternal life and be reconnected back uh, to to the Father. So yeah, there's a there's a there's a difference. I don't know if I answered your question. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Um, I see there's another hint. Uh, you, you are recognized. Uh, I'm just reading some comments there uh, that have been sent to us. Uh, one was, this was very informative. Um, we see a lot of these things in adulthood, but you don't really know the root cause. The children's mental health is the most underrated, yet the most important. Mm. This has taught me not to be dismissive um, when I see behavioral changes in kids, but to pay careful attention. Uh, thank you, uh, Mama O. The other one says that... Um, I just went now, I, I hear about breastfeeding. I enjoy breastfeeding a lot. Uh, and my baby is five months now. Okay, thank you thank so you. much. Congratulations. Yes. Um, can you see it? You, you are recognized. Okay, um, thank you. So first of all, I'd like to thank Dr. Mashishi for the informative presentation and also a colleague of mine who forwarded the link to me. Um, so I have a question, and it comes a little bit with the scenario. So I hope, Dr. Mashishi, you won't mind that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So um, when my partner and I moved to where we currently stay, so it's like a block of um, flats of like different units, right? Um, yes, our daughter who just turned three, um, she came to visit before we took her because she was staying with her um, grandmother, sometimes also the great-grandmother at the villages, right? Um, so we had a braai, and when we had a braai, it was the first time she came, and our neighbor's daughter um, saw that we have a child, and then she took her, then they went to play with other kids. And um, as they went to play, they were playing. She, she, she was okay with it. I think also because um, at the villages, there's security of children playing with like um, other kids or strangers and stuff. So um, she went to play. And then I think when it's, it was time for kids to depart and go back home, um, maybe my neighbor's daughter forgot that she's new in the area or so forth. Um, she didn't know where to go. Because remember, she had just turned three. Um, this is a new unit. And um, some helper found her alone. And then she bought and said, um, I, I found your child. She was alone. 
um, she was lost, so she was a bit sad and so forth. So I think now I've noticed um, a pattern. I picked up the pattern that when she's here, when she she only wants to at first she only wanted to play when other kids came to our house so she didn't want to go and play to other kids house or out in the street and then um i realized that maybe it might be a problem so um i encouraged her to go out and play with like other kids like outside in the the parking lot so she does that she does play with um kids outside the parking lot or she goes to one particular friend she goes to her house but if these kids somehow depart to go and play to another um, park or to another children's house she doesn't go so like she remains and um, I don't know if whether she has an environmental insecurity that because for the first time when we came here she got lost does she still think that oh I might get lost again, but it only happens when we are here. So if mm. we go to my parents' house, um, her paternal family, our friends or parks, she doesn't mind. Like she can go and play next door or at the street for three or four hours and she'll be fine. She'll come back on her own. So mm. um, I'm not sure how we should deal up, uh, with this um, scenario. Yeah. Okay. So thank you for your question. Uh, like you've mentioned that it, it sounds like the anxiety is around when she's with you guys, when she's with other people, when she's with your other family members, when she's with your other friends, she doesn't look like she's anxious. But I think what happened at that time, she was still very young and then she got lost and then she, it sounds like she's still very anxious about uh, that incident and she hasn't really uh, dealt with it and she hasn't really like... Uh, she hasn't been able to process what actually happened. But it's not like like generalized anxiety in a sense that now she doesn't want to go out anymore. She doesn't want to be with other kids. She doesn't want to see other people. The anxiety is only related to when she comes to you because of the incident that happened. So I will say that don't dismiss it. Maybe sit with her down initially and try and understand what actually happened, what actually transpired on that day. Like, try and understand step by step, like they left the house, where did they go? So just try and see where is this anxiety coming from? But chances are it's coming from the fact that she was new in this place and then the next thing she's lost, she doesn't know how to get back to you guys. And probably she's still worried now that if she's around that area, maybe to her the area looks too big for her. What if now she goes and try and go play again and something similar now uh, happens again? And then maybe after trying and engaging her, and if maybe you're still not winning, this is persistent, it's still continuing coming up, I'll suggest that maybe you can even see someone with her, maybe see a psychologist and for them just to try and assess and see if there's other issues or if there's really something that she's actually worried about or anxious about around being in that place, actually. Okay, yes. And um, thank you for it. But she's four years old, so... I'm not sure how I'm asking or talking to her about what transpired on that day, if she'll even remember, because she was three at the time. Now she's four. You will be surprised how much kids can, can remember, actually. So we see, like, at our clinics, we actually see kids from starting from the age of uh, six to 18 years. 
But before then, when I was at Bara, we actually sometimes at some point we were seen like at the under six year old as well. And they would actually give you a whole lot of information. You'll be surprised how much information the kids actually have and the kids actually know. And that's actually what we tend to believe as parents. And that's also the reason that sometimes we like sometimes we hear people say, no, eh, just go to school when the kids are still very young. So even if like you're not really there, they won't notice. There's nothing like that. They actually notice. Actually, this is the time where they notice and the time where they actually need you the most. So I wouldn't say that because she was three years old, she will not understand or she will not know or be able to tell you what actually transpired. And then actually, even if she goes and see a psychologist, sometimes they do play therapy with her. They can actually pick up uh, some of the things that, okay, she might be anxious because of one, two, three, even at this age. Okay, so... Um, so there isn't much to worry about, I'd say. It's just like environment because in, in other places, she's completely fine. That's why I'm saying if it's persistent, I don't know mm-hmm. how long has, has this been ongoing for, but if it's persistent and it's not getting better, mm-hmm. obviously you want her to be free when she comes and visits you. You want her to be as comfortable as she is when she's in other uh, areas. So mm-hmm. I will say if it's persistent and it's not improving, then I will rather maybe go and see someone. Okay. Thank, not, you. Not, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Auskanisile, uh, uh, for for the question, and thanks, Doctor, for the answers. Uh, we truly appreciate that. Unfortunately, we we, we don't have um, forever. Time is is an enemy. But one thing yes. that I'm picking up from here is that um, um, we all need each other. Yeah. I, I I like how Doctor, you are explaining that sometimes. You know, when we do not have coping mechanisms, we need to go to psychologists so they can train us or teach us or mentor us or help us to have those coping mechanisms. And if they cannot help us further, they can also refer to psychiatrists such as yourself so that perhaps maybe you can also assist in terms of other medication and so forth. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to the question of Mkululi that, you know, that shows that, um, you know, for spiritual life, like Muruti was saying, we do need the churches and the pastors to help us with our spirits for physical, mm-hmm. our bodies. We also need health and other people, specialists to help us with our bodies and for our emotions and, and et cetera, et cetera. We, it, it, it is all connected. Um, yeah, I do not see any other hand. So I'll just hand over to Muruti. Then I will go back to you, uh, Dr. For for final words um um and and then we we, we can then uh, wrap up yeah i thank you that i think uh, from from the lesson today another thing that i'm taking home is that we should I think maybe as black people we should normalize going to therapy exactly. as a family because sometimes we're thinking that when you go to therapy maybe something is wrong with you but i think we should at least maybe once a year as a family so that we can all talk to someone and find out how we are doing. Because sometimes uh, we, we might be uh, working together with our children or we as parents going through certain things and then uh, uh, we, and we don't realize that it, it's, it's affecting our kids. And same applies to uh, when we are with our children. So I think... Um, the, the, my my point is let's normalize seeing uh, counselors. The mm-hmm. church will do the spiritual part and let the 
trained uh, counselors and, and psychologists and psychiatric helpers, and if there's nothing wrong in seeing them. So, yes, uh, let me hand over to Dr. Mashishi. We, we appreciate the lesson so much, and uh, uh, we just want to hear uh, last word from you. Uh, and the power is already said, yes. Okay, uh, I just want to say thank you so much uh, to Muruti uh, Paho, uh, the both of you, uh, for inviting me uh, to this platform, to giving me this opportunity uh, to talk to everyone who's here today. And uh, just uh, from what the pastor is saying, it's actually... Uh, uh, I, I, like I, I want to re reiterate the same thing that uh, we need to normalize going for therapy that uh, is still is actually okay not to be okay and then actually go and seek help and that there's still a lot of stigma around mental health uh, uh, issues um people that are dealing with mental issues like the stigma starts from government that's from even up there in government in terms of them allocating finance in terms of us being able to bring the services to the people it happens in our community you can see a lot of mental health care users that are being ostracized from the from the community because people don't really understand them people they think that uh, you cannot be part of them so the minute we start having these talks uh, talking amongst ourselves with our friends with our families about uh, mental health basically what is actually mental health and actually communicating amongst ourselves this is going to help in also reducing the stigma around mental health yeah around mental health issues and then when the stigma now is now lessened people will be able to come and see us people will not have a shame in going to see a psychologist people will not have a shame to say this is my psychiatrist I promise you, a lot of people will say, this is my pediatrician, my, my kid's pediatrician, this is my obstetrician, but they'll hardly ever say, this is my psychiatrist. So until we normalize that it's actually okay, and it's actually okay to ask for help and seek help, and also try and tackle a stigma around mental health, we still have really a long way to go. So yeah, thank you so much for everyone for attending the session. Yes, uh, no, uh, thank you, thank you, Dr. Mashish. And I would also um, want to encourage people if you need help of some kind, we have uh, contact details of uh, Dr. Mashish and just contact us and we will uh, give you her details. And we're looking forward to seeing you again in another session. And thank you so much for the support. And we uh, continue to pray for us. Uh, subscribe, share, uh, because we believe in helping families. And I believe that when uh, the environment at home is, is, is good and healthy, we can impact our society better. So we want to just thank you for taking your time to, to, to uh, being part of this session. God bless you. God bless you. Uh, you want to pray? Or? Yes, uh, let me just pray. But I opened with prayer. Why don't you just close with prayer? Okay, let's pray. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for yes, teaching Lord. us the importance of finding help. Yes, um, we need each other. We cannot be complete on our own. Oh, yes. We need to collaborate with pastors oh. and, and doctors yes. and psychiatrists and psychologists. Mm. And mm. we need all these people in our lives because to raise a child, it takes a village. Yeah. 
and a village is many people with many different skills. So, Lord, we have learned and we thank you, Lord. We pray for all of us that the knowledge that we gather tonight about things that may trouble children, Lord, when we observe them, that we may be able to take steps to address them, even if it means going outside of our comfort zones and getting the professionals to come in and help us so that we can deal with those issues once and for all. Lord, we thank you for these people who are supporting us because that also communicate that uh, what we are doing this ministry is very, very effective and important. And we pray that continue blessing them in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, family. See you next time and God bless you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Yes, can I ask just for a few minutes of your time before you log off? Just a few minutes. Okay, my dear. All right, thank you. All right, all right. Uh, Or just move it. Just move it for now. Okay. Oh, okay. We, we, we leave you in peace. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Mr. Power. Okay. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Mashish. Yo, I.